Thank you, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. In today's episode, Chris and I do a game spotlight of John Carter of Mars. Uh, interesting take on the 2D20 system and an absolutely gonzo, bizarro setting in a good way. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Betcha. All right. Here we go. Howdy, Chris. Hi, Jeremy. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not, not so bad. After our, our, uh, our time zone stupidity uh, mess up last week of sorts, and then uh, I, I, for some reason, and this isn't, I don't know, I, I, I guess I thought that the countries that switch their clocks, especially friendly countries like us and, and, and you folks, like we would change them on the same weekend, but we don't. I had this whole conversation with you about the fact that we were doing it a week earlier and you even confirmed what time you would have to meet and then just did Well, <laughs> there, were, uh, there were circumstances, there was a circumstance rather beyond my control, which obviated our, our uh, or precluded our ability to meet. How's that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. So have in in this uh, in our hiatus or on our hiatus have you done any gaming? I started trying to work out when the last time we've gone back to Conan at all. Uh yeah, I tried to trying to work out. So I know what I did last week going back further. No, I don't cuz I can't remember the last time we met. We have, I feel like we haven't met Rage now. It's, a, um, it's it's been about 2 weeks almost. Yeah, no, I think at half term we didn't because we did a what is now an annual trip to a a, a scare maze thing. Oh, that's right. You said you were going to do that. So we didn't. So we didn't do any gaming that week. And then last week we did meet, but I hadn't. I was still kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure what to do with Conan. And Scott had got this board game called Vagrant Song, which is a, a vaguely has a bit of a campaign board game to it, which. He sounded like he hadn't read the rules, and so we were going to have to do Conan. And he was like, oh, I've read all the rules now. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to worry about trying to work out. Because Conan could kind of end now, and it would be fine. Uh-huh. Um, or it can go further. But yeah, okay, right, we'll, we'll play this board game for a few weeks, and then we can start planning what we're doing for next year, and that'll be, that'll be better. So I think that's what we're going to do. Good so deal. No, for the, it'll be board games for the next few weeks, um, I think. How about you? Good deal. Well, we had our second um, session of our new of the new episode in our Star Trek um, Adventures campaign. So, and it's it's actually the the idea of splitting the party, of deliberately splitting the party in order to use the supporting character mechanic is working. Cool. Um, and I think my players like it or are enjoying it at least in this. Uh, I mean, they so the the chief medical officer a nurse and a and a medic are on a planet and then the ship and everybody else is in another star system a couple of days away dealing with a diplomatic crisis and so in both situations my players are having to play uh, there's a mix of the frontline characters and supporting characters in both locations and and then we even just had in the uh, the the diplomatic crisis uh, location, we even had a situation where when they found out that there was a problem on the other planet, and they said the captain said, "All right, send the ship back. You know, maximum warp. Go go try to figure things out." Um, 
one of the one of the the supporting characters, the chief engineer who was with the the main characters on that planet left and then that player replaced that character supporting character with another supporting character the security officer that was on the planet with them so this it, it's actually turned into like a, a kind of an elegant square dance of sorts with changing of partners and changing of characters for the needs of the scene and then i'm just going back and forth by scene um from one location to another and it's 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 really working i i think it's a it's a great mechanic and it's one of those things you think about and then you go hmm i wonder if i could do this and then you try it and it seems to work which is very nice yeah i wish it would easily slot into other things because obviously homeworld had it and um, but you know it's a similar thing funnily enough because homeworld is a straight up ripoff of star trek yes um and, and it works in star trek because of this idea that you have a big there's a you know you're on this floating ship and the ship goes to different planets where th different things happen and yes you have a main cast but there's all these other people there that are all highly skilled individuals and therefore it works and trying to think like you know how, how else could what else could you do and i think, I think you try if you try to apply that to like a fantasy set i just think oh uh you need a lot of thought to how to apply it. The thing that popped into my head immediately there was something like G.I. Joe, where you've got like a, a world-saving or, you know, Thunderbirds world-saving organization where there's a bunch of people and you can have your main ones and then you'd have backup things and you fly to where the problem is. You know, that would work. So it's the kind of thing that it works really well in the Star Trek thing, but you can think in lots of other, and particularly something where it's episodic, where each episode will be like, you know, like a TV episode thing. You can see why it works really well in that, but... I mean, yeah. we should do an episode on where else could you use the the supporting cast idea. There goes an episode idea. I think in a fantasy setting, yeah, without going off on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's actually let's circle back and let's we'll take notes on episode. that, and we'll come back yeah. to it because I have some ideas, but I don't want to derail our fantastical <laughs> um, loincloth wearing, red skinned, sandaled action episode today. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, because we're doing another system spotlight. That's right. The spotlight on John Carter of Mars. Make it sound like a show tune, and it's more fun for everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you actually, have you, have you played, have you played John Carter? I have Mars? not. Um, so this might be the first one. Oh, that's not true. We've never played Mutant Chronicles. Because I have played Infinity, and we've both played Conan, and we've both played Star Trek. But yeah, so this is one of the ones where we have not played it. Yeah, I have not played um, Dishonored. I have not played Mutant Chronicles. I've not played this. Um, I've not played Fallout nor Infinity. But uh, yeah, JCOM. That makes it sound like some kind of U.S. Air Force, oh, you know, does, buried under does, a mountain yeah. sort of thing, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, John Carter of Mars. Um, so let's let's talk. I think we should talk system setting story. I think we yeah. should do it in that order because uh, I think we we can do it. We can do this thing justice and help people get their heads around it. As I as I say, um, how do you want to start off on what are the, I mean? It's the same core resolution mechanic. That's no difference. It's a two d twenty game. Um, what, what's so, what's something huge that stands out to you as being a mechanical um, mechanical thing? I wanted to um, one thing that the, before they made a big deal of it, but when the book came out, I'm not sure they did, is they made a big deal of saying it's not using the 2D20 system, it's using the momentum system. Um, they seem to have backed off from that too. But I actually, I'm not sure it actually says that in the book anywhere. <laughs> I feel like it was this was like a, pre, a press thing when 
they were like, right, we want to make it clear it's using a different version of the 2D20 system. But rather than just saying that, we're going to give it Well, it, it doesn't name. say that anywhere. In the, it right, says 2D20 say. on the front of it and inside it. That's what um, we in, in the States refer to as a policy balloon. You know, so, you shimmy the thing up the flagpole and see if people shoot at it. And, and yeah, uh, but yeah, you're right. I do remember them saying it has the momentum system, but it didn't say that anywhere. So yeah, the, the, the resolution is still, you, you still have momentum. You still have threats. Let's, yeah, let's just go ahead and say it's still threat because I can't find it on the page. So yeah, threat. Um, the name for the fortune determination-y type thing is, is luck in this one. Yes. And it's a little bit different, but essentially it's a similar thing. It could give you an extra dice that can give you actions. Right. The mechanics so, of it are the same. Yeah. Um, you still have the classic kind of combat things where you do stress and uh, every five is a, is a wound thing. So that's pretty similar. Um, you, you have combat dice. So it's not one that stepped away so far that there was no right. uh, no cool little dice. And in fact, I have the, these are the ones I use to play Conan because I don't have Conan dice. So I have to use the combat dice in this. Oh, and it is called combat dice and it's excellent. So the, the first big step away really is in the characters because the, the duh, characters have no skills. Nope. Now, and I don't mean characters have no skills in the sense that, aha, is this like, uh, is this like June where it has values or something nope. else? No, no, no. You have, you have your stats of which there are, Six. and then that's it. That's you, have that it. And, you have that and talents. You have, yeah, exactly. You have there are so to be very clear, there are no skills. There is nothing like skills. There are no disciplines. There's no nothing like that. Nope. Nor are there any focuses. Yeah, you have you have basically you have one stat, one set of stats. Yeah, you have you have um, your set of stats, and they're 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 kind of funky. Um, they are, and I, I quote. <laughs> PDF will not stick on one page. It won't jumped. stick on one page. How criminal. I think it's because I've got it on the two-page view, so it keeps flicking to the next page. That's why it's very mental. Uh, all right, I've got them. Finally, I've got them. Uh, so we have... The, the names are actually not... Too, if Because I did this, if, you, if you're not sure, if you look on my on my blog and look way back to when I did the, the 2D20 mod stuff and compared each of things, yeah. the six stats do overlap with what we see in other ones. So we have sure. cunning daring empathy might passion and reason so initially you think well these are a bit odd but when you look at what they're used for so daring is whenever a character is at risk and movement covers movement piloting and defense so that's a lot um cunning is cunning is a weird one you think it's one thing but it's used for all attacks but then also insults and thefts it says used whenever a character wants to weaken another there we go um Empathy uh, is pretty much what exactly what it sounds like. Might is for force. Um, so out of combat to lift, bend, and break. Oh, oh, they could have. They could have gone lift, bend, and was it bars, lift, lift gates, gates? But they bars. didn't. They, they didn't. left the gates and the bars oh. out. Very sad. Uh, governs uh, passion. Governs any attempt to lead, love, or entertain. <laughs> That's a bit right. All right. And then reason yeah. is any action yeah. applied to the mind or senses. Now that's interesting because that then seems to cover the terrain of like you're thinking, you're also perceiving because it's the senses. So yeah. they're not that far off. It's not like Dune. It it, it doesn't go that strange. Yeah. Um. But um. But there's a there the the boundaries of them I'd say are somewhat blurry compared yeah. to what you'd see but in like Conan. Initially, or I thought. 
but this will still make sense. You'll, you'll roll sure. your dice and you'll roll under you'll roll under one of these skills because clearly it says cunning is to do attacks and, and daring is to do like cool ninja stuff and yeah. empathy is is it? But no, that that's not how it works. If mm -mm. you do a roll, you add two of these together, yep. and that's straight away the first problem with the system is that the ones they've decided to add together seem quite arbitrary like literally if just cunning was all attacks they've obviously got well we can't do that because then ranged attacks and yeah. physical attacks will be the same so we need to mix them up um so what you have is for every single action you do two of these added together and which is why then just horribly on the character sheet you have these nice big block for cunning dare and empathy and so on and then next to it you have another set of little table things with each of the other stats you can add them together. So if you're doing cunning plus passion, you don't have to worry about adding two numbers together on a fly. No, yeah. it's in a table. But then it makes it look awful. Well, it's that no let me let's nail down a couple of the other like the particulars of it. Is so in order to determine your target number, you're adding two of these together. Now it yes. states in there that these statistics, these attributes rather, are from four to twelve. And never above above uh, twelve, but they're from four to twelve, and usually in the range of like eight to ten ish or so. Yeah. You add the two together, that becomes your target number. Now, since there are no uh, focuses, and there is no focus. How do you roll aside from rolling ones? How do you roll a critical success? You roll a critical success by rolling lower than the lower of those two. So there's a couple of things jumping out at me here. First off, your target numbers are going to tend to be higher. Yeah. And the chances of you rolling a critical success are going to be a, a pretty good amount statistically higher. Well, I mean, every other game, your focus pretty much maxes out five. Still five. I mean, you're right. But I mean, you could potentially have... You could roll a critical success at rolling a nine or below yeah. if that was your low... An eight or below if that's your lower of the two yeah so so there's so so put that in the back if you're not familiar with the game already put that in the back of your mind target numbers are going to be higher and the chance of rolling critical successes is also going to be higher i agree with you that some of the the combinations that they suggest they seem a little like some of them are a little odd but to me i i look at this as somewhat similar to the whole issue of how do you choose which drive to use in dune like it it this is not nearly as narrative as Dune. However, it's less concrete. It, yeah. it seeks to be less concrete than the other systems. And so you're left with some questions. Now, I think on the upside, if you have players who are getting creative and saying, oh, I'm going to use cunning and this, you know, cunning and empathy to attack, or I'm going to use cunning and reason to attack, and here's their shaggy dog story as to why that works, well, then then it becomes the, the action becomes more player driven in terms of how it's described and how it, it comes together. Um, but if you don't have people who are clear on that or have a clear idea of that for their characters, then I think you, you risk being in this fuzzy wuzzy space, like with Dune, where you're like, uh, I'm not really sure which combination I should pick. So I'm just going to pick the same one over and over and over uh, again. Am I being stupid or is there not a convenient page that says here is all of the combinations? Of, of when you use these things. Because obviously under combat, we have a much clearer thing of when you are doing- you No, know let me do this really quickly. Let me, let me go run and get the GM screen. It's in my garage. And let me see if it's there's something like that oh, on there. I'm, yeah, let's have a look. I'm gonna move faster than you. Any luck? No, there is none. Okay, this is a hoot. 
uh, as we try to find if there if there is some kind of combined table. I have the uh, the narrator's toolkit, which has a screen and a booklet in it, and this is actually quite funny. These books, the layout of them is uniquely it's uh, it's landscape instead of portrait, which I'm okay with that actually. They sit nicely on a table, but the GM screen is portrait. Isn't that odd? The, the narrator's toolkit is actually really good because not only does it have an adventure generator, it also has like a monster generator. Yeah, it is a it's a it's a good one. Um, the, yeah, the screen looks it's fine. We've got we've got uh, distances, rotation, we've got lots of stuff there. We've got lots of di- we've got a difficulty table which I saw in the book, and we have one little table that again says the thing we've already said about each of the. Yeah, it has some combinations. So I, th- I have I, a feeling this is one of these things that you as a group and your players would work out. And I do remember that there's a sidebar in the core rule book where it addresses, hey, wouldn't you just use the same thing over and over again? And essentially it says, yeah, sure, that's fine. If that becomes your character's signature way of doing things, so be it. So essentially on the <clears throat> on the attack bit there is, it says when you're making an attack, it should be cunning plus something else. So it says for melee, it should be cunning plus daring. And then for shooting attacks, it should be cunning plus reason. And then insult should be either, should probably be passion or might if you're using intimidation. Great. And then it says for yeah. defending, you should be using def- daring. And then, but then it talks about how you're doing it. So it says passion for bravely meeting a sword thrust. What the F? Yeah. Uh, or empathy to sense where an attack is directed. So basically, that's to me, that's kind of going, oh, we need to put empathy in somewhere. Oh, let's slam it in defense. Yeah. Because then. Yeah. I, I Again, I think this is one of these things that you're you as a player are going to look at your character and you're going to if you have a, an idea of who your character is, you're going to interpret what these different what those definitions mean in practice. And and then you're going to come up with these these I was about to say excuses, explanations for why it should be this one plus that one. Something else that stands out to me about the system, aside from the target number thing, um, which is which is a big change, yeah. uh, it's big, is that um, damage is super simplified. Yeah. Most weapons do either one or two dice, and that's it. Like, there aren't... It's it's not into, like, gear porn, no. like what you see in, in, in Fallout, for example, or Infinity. Um, the, the, it's very simplified. Um, and also... I do believe that it is the only game with personal momentum pools. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it did until you said it did. Yeah. I think going going back to the damage, though, I think part of the reason is we've kind of already hit this point. Because we have very high target numbers, so you're going to be getting a lot of successes and you're going to be getting lots more successes because of the, the, the your criticals are going to be hitting all the time. You're constantly getting two successes is that yeah. your actual weapon does very little damage. Like your weapon might yes. be one or two. But then you spend momentum for extra damage and you're easily going to be generating a ton of momentum on a roll. So I think the idea is you're meant to be spending, you're meant to be generating a ton of momentum and then you're spending it to do more damage. Um, And then the other thing, and you pointed this out to me, but I'm going to steal your thunder because I'm on the page where it says it, you can spend momentum to just dispatch minions. Bingo. Well, I'd like to do. Yeah. So as opposed to like most of the others where you're going to have to you know, a, a minion only has one one wound. So if you do the five damage in one hit, you take a minion out, but then you, that's attack's gone on that guy. Maybe you can spend momentum attack as a different one. If here, if you generate three momentum and you're fighting three guys, you can just go, yeah, they're all gone, which is, yep. which then... And, and you know, I, oh, ahead, I think you're probably going to say the same thing. So it really represents the actual setting of like the John Cart wading his way through a stream of bad guys really easily. So if you want that kind of adventure where you are going to just 
jump into a crowd of something and just w- wade through and just wrecking them left right you know you, you could take on tens or hundreds of people very easily with these rules which would be super cool yeah yeah i i think that it, it again it's a it is a great example it's an example of modifius saying okay this is what we believe this setting is all about and so we're gonna we're gonna tweak the dials and the knobs and the switches of the system to try to make it do like do like that i think that a pulpy and it sounds so corny a pulpy high adventure that's what it is system like swinging like this is like martian space pirates is is kind of what this is the idea of getting bogged down in weapon damages and things like that just seems silly. It's like you shot him, you took him out. And unless he's the big bad. And the big bad then will like, you know, shrug it off and a smoke bomb will go off and he'll disappear. And Ming the Merciless, oops, sorry, you know, whoever, whatever, will come back later. It, it, I, I think it fits the setting. Oh, one thing I want to say about the personal momentum pool. I was thinking about this while I was running a bit ago. You might think that that means like, oh my gosh, if I have four players at the table, is there are there going to be like 15, 20 points of momentum sitting there about to stomp on me and i think the answer is probably well i think the answer is probably no because think about this you have the same number of people rolling yeah so the 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 call it the incident of like potential momentum generation that does not change however the the need to like oh crap the 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 you know the table, the, the pool is at four and I just generated four. So I have to figure out a way to spend these other two or they're going to go to waste. That I think drops off. So there's probably going to be more momentum in full sitting around at the table. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like a ridiculous amount. But again, that's that's uh, that's meant to, you know, power the high action and swinging from the, the space chandeliers um of the players that the setting seems to demand so obviously when we've only got six stats that doesn't differentiate the players so we do do have different i guess they are different races because that's what they are so we have like different but we have a bunch of different martians we have your standard martians which are actually red martians and we have essentially like black martians yellow martians green martians which the guys with the forearms yeah they're like the they're like the uh the 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 marshmallows in lucky charms and then you can play as humans who are like crazy overpowered (laughs) so much better than them. or like a like a, what is it like a four-armed green yeah. orc martian or they are they are you know that's different um but then the other thing that not only the thing that differentiates characters from each other but is also probably hands down the best thing about this version of 2d20 um is is the talent system now they do still yeah. have a bunch of pre-designed talents they talents are split into grades we have these grade what do we got grade one to grade four and essentially the rule pretty much says that kind of a, each a grade of a talent should be equivalent to just one momentum. So like literally in addition, a talent can do anything momentum can do on a one grade is one momentum basis. But they literally give you a bunch of rules that says, right, a grade of talent lets you do this. And then for a grade two, it can do this. And a grade, so you can essentially design your own talent, the kind of thing like in, yep. in this. So it's very much, if, if you've ever looked at sort of fate, it's that kind of thing of, right, well, if you, in this situation, you can do this and you design your own stunts in fate um and kind of things like that in cortex this is literally what it lets you do it lets you design your own talent and we have mentioned this a couple of times where we've said if you were looking for rules to design your own talents in other games well go and look at john carter because it literally has yes. these rules for like how you can do because you so you can take a bunch of low level sort of grade one talents or you can go for like a big you know you only have one talent but it does a super cool thing um and i really like yeah, that you- that it lets you just you know 
you can take the ones they've got there or you can make your own up. And I think make, I've not tried to do it, but it seems super straightforward. So, yeah. Well, I like that, that you have, it, it, it has the system. This is how you make them. You start off with five points. So you could either have five grade one talents or you could have a grade four and a grade one, you know, it just it depends on however, whatever balance you want from there. Um, and it has a ton of examples for each grade. And then what's nice too, is that in the other books, uh, for example, the Jeddak of Jeddak's uh, uh, campaign, like era book, that has additional talent ideas in it. And all the NPCs that are in the, uh, the campaign book that comes in the slipcase, those all have different kinds of talents too. So you have a ton of examples that you got either just poach from or use as inspiration. And I think that if you, like when I read the system and then I went and looked at the talents in Star Trek Adventures, which, which aren't ranked like in the older versions, you can see where by and large, that's the model that they followed, you know, mechanically or numerically or whatever. And, and I think that that's an interesting, it's a really interesting way to approach giving players the ability to, to really get creative. And there's something else about the talent system too, that I really like, and it's tied to experience. You now, you know, in using talents, you're only able to use, you're only able to apply one talent to a role um like you can't if if you have like two talents that could be relevant to a single role like an attack role you can only you have to choose one of them so you go well that kind of stinks but through experience you can and it, it's costly but you can take experience points and you can combine existing talents together so that you can have multi-part talents that are worth more points but that you're allowed then by the rules to use all at once. And I think that's really cool because story-wise, you yeah. could say, oh, you know, here, my guy started out and, you know, he can do this cool thing when he parries. So when you're defending, you get to do this thing, like maybe you, you know, repost and, and you attack again. Okay, that's great. Well, my guy can also, you know, he has cat-like reflexes and he can spring to one side really quickly. Well, over time, as he becomes even more badass in his Martiandom, he's able to do both those things simultaneously. So you spend experience to morph, morph those two things into one talent, which then can be used at once instead of these two separate things, which would be exclusive of one another because they they would apply in the same action. So I think that's cool. I like the idea as an experience option of having something that ex ex you have already that you can change or improve upon instead of just adding more stuff or adding more powerful yeah. versions that then make the old stuff you have pointless. You're like, why do I even have yeah. this? Um, and since we're on the topic of like sort of leveling up, we do also, then there's also a renowned system kind of like Conan, how you gain, yeah. you gain renown that it shows kind of how famous you are. And then that also, then we also have these bunch of like accolades and titles. So like basically meeting people and you're, you're becoming more important and you have access to more resources and, and stuff like that. So, you know, those, those rules are in there right from the start, which is super useful. Cause again, it's linking into sort of how the world works and, and stuff, which is nice. Uh, what else about the system? I think, I mean, otherwise, I, I think there's very little, I think, I don't think there's a whole ton that you would find system-wise that's like radically no, different. I feel like that's, to me, the, the, the fact that, that how the, the actual basic role is the same, but how what you're rolling against is totally yeah. different to everything else we've seen. That's, um, that's a big standout. And then, like we said, the, uh, 
you know, little tweak. The combat is basically the same, but it's, it's, you know, simplified. They've taken off little bits yeah. and pieces, but it's essentially the same. And then, like I said, the talent generation is the thing. The talent generation is the thing if you do not own the books to go and actually pick it up for, particularly with the SRD now to go and look at, right, here's, you know, here's how you can create your own talents rather than having to write. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to do my own version of a 2D20 game, I need to write yeah. 100 talents. Nope. Well, you don't. I think if you have creative players who have a clear idea of what they want their characters to be like, giving them the option to write the talents and then giving them examples to show them how it's done would be would be great. Yeah. So oh setting, 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 setting. I mean, setting. There's a there's a, you know it's a decent chunk of the book. Yeah. We get like five five chapters of stuff about. Well, so I've never really looked at it in much detail because I think around the point that I bought this, I'd I'd read like the first. Oh, I don't know about the first four books. I hadn't got to, I hadn't got to Carter's like having kids. So like his children stuff that eventually happens. And then there's a whole nother human character. I never got that far, but like his yeah. initial, his initial bunch of adventures, I'd read a bunch. So I was pretty familiar with it, like a reasonable chunk of the initial stuff. So I didn't really feel the need to like read through a lot of this, but it's got all like the main things you'd need to. I think that you could do if, about if you know nothing about it and the idea of this, this bizarro combination, like from our contemporary view, bizarro com combination of science fiction and fantasy. If you find that interesting, I think there's enough source material in these books to, uh, to bring you up to speed as either a, a player or a GM. Now that said, and I don't say this, if you're an Ed Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, fanboy out there, don't take this as an insult to the dearly departed Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, but honestly, this setting, <laughs> this world comes across as like something written by like a 10 year old who's drunk. It's like, there are no limits. You know, how like we, we now, I, I feel like maybe a bit older because I'm not sure a 10 year older is, is as randy as clearly the okay, guy who okay, wrote this yeah, was yeah, yeah. because okay. like basically everyone wears basically no clothing ever right 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 okay okay good point maybe how about 12 yeah that sounds about uh, right 12 and like your your little brother doug <laughs> got into the wine coolers uh or something like that because it's just it's just nuts yeah. it's like when you're a little kid and you're playing and you're like well well i have a monkey with a laser rifle and and, and he's this computer genius and everyone's like okay because that just sounds cool it, it, it i just i keep reading through it i'm like this is just the weirdest setting it's so strange, but you have to remember this was written over like a hundred years yeah. ago when we didn't have these broadly accepted silos of what is science fiction and what is fantasy and what is magic and what is not, you know, and, and those kinds of the lines that we draw in fiction now just flat out didn't exist then. And so Burroughs is just writing this absolutely over the top it's just such a strange setting. It is really weird. Like like skeleton people on Jupiter who want to invade Mars. Sure, why not? Well, it's just like you know everyone has laser rifles, and in this in this world, when we finally got the hang of having decent guns, we stopped using swords. But like now, everyone here is running around with like no armor, right. but with laser rifles. But uh, yeah, but also we're also swords, lots and lots of swords. It makes like yeah, they love swords, loincloths, no sense, uh, leather buckles, and and like you said, you got uh, you got people on Venus, you've got skeleton men living on Jupiter who want to invade Mars. It's just 
it's just really strange. And I think it's one of these things that like, I finally decided whatever weirdness I'm going to find on the next page, I'm just going to accept it. I'm not going to try to be the historian and make sense of it. I'm just going to say, okay, okay. Well, I just remember reading the books and it sort of starts off with like, you know, he just meets sort of just the red Martians, but then suddenly he's like going to the moons and there's these like black Martians and they'll be throwing these other yellow ones. And it, it was, it, I kind of felt, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it's, it's like you see now to people just keep slowly world building his setting, but it was all just a bit, I mean, some of the creatures they made and then all the stuff with kind of like, they're kind of gods, but they're not gods and just so much weirdness. Like he goes back and forth from, yeah. from earth and yeah, it's just, it, it, it's, it's uh don't try to make sense of it like don't try to don't try to make it rational and make it into it it it, it is so that's what it is that's all it has to be yeah, so i think that there's a decent it's, it's an interesting it's a it's a fun setting i don't think it's a massive setting so i don't think it's the kind of thing you could i mean maybe if you're a super super fan you could play in it for years to me it's the kind of thing i feel like you could run a like a decent length story in but i don't think there's like if you wanted to kind of show the cool bits that are in it, I don't think you could play in this like forever. I don't think the world right. is that detailed, but there's enough in there. Um, I mean, luckily in terms of what you play in it, there is when you buy the John Carter book, the main book, it comes in a slip casing with two books and one of them is a campaign. And like you said, then there's a whole nother campaign you can buy. Um, sure. And then there's some stuff in the core books. There's two things, one, one here I like and one here I don't like. Um, we do get, you know, we do get a chapter on all the kind of monsters. Um, we get a whole chapter on secrets, which is all the kind of the background GM only stuff, which is cool. Um, yes. I think we get reasonable. We, we get another thing again where we have the like, this is how to be a GM and all that kind of stuff, which I always wish wasn't in it because, well, I guess it's good for new players, but obviously it's a bit of way. Again, explain us how to do threats. There's a lot of that explaining the tone of the thing. Um, and there's a good bunch of good stuff on how to make good villains. Now, I think mm -hmm. the bit that is ma missing there a bit is the what do players do? What what should the play? You know, there's you look through that and you go, oh, well, there was nothing. I what's a character meant to be doing in John Carter? Now, two things about that. One, like I said, there's already two, and this is the thing I've criticized lots of Modiphius games for that they explain the world, they give you all the raw characters, and then there's like very little on here's what the character should do. Now, pro and a uh, good and a bad thing but they do throw later in the book an adventure which i've said repeatedly i hate it when they put adventures in core books because you're only going to use it once and then so it's page count that i feel so there's a there's yeah. a nice little thing it's not very long let's see uh what are we on 20 yeah it's like 20 pages so that's not ideal to me that's always page count that would have been better used somewhere else particularly because then it released in a slip book slipcase with a whole adventure did you really need to put an adventure in the core book that doesn't make any sense um what we do then get though is we get a bunch of short adventure ideas so yeah. the kind of stuff we've seen them doing recently with like acting cthulhu and starter like sort of one page adventures they they did it here there's this we've got one two three four five six, i think if you take seven, enough time to eight, to nine, get with loads nine that's not bad if you as a GM and your players establish like, okay, this is, we, we get enough of this world and we're into it enough. I think there's definitely enough that you could run. Uh, you know, there is this, the one campaign and then there are additional seeds yeah. in the other books there. I mean, y you could do a lot. So that, um, that, that's something that I, I like that. I wish, I wish more of their games had that like these, because they're yeah. quite detailed adventure seeds. It literally for each of them gives you an adventure seed. They suggest some character and then they give you a bunch of variations, which said, here's what you could do instead. 
So that, that's a whole, but even if you just played with them yeah. and didn't have any pre-written adventures, they've given you a bunch of really good story suggestions rather than having to sort of go through the background and, and pick it out. If you're not, you know, it's because like I said, it's my biggest criticism of a lot of the, the Modiphius games. It's like, okay, this is really cool. I understand the world, but who are the characters? Who are the PCs and what do they do? Well, this one gives yeah. you a clear thing on, well, here's some cool stuff that the, the adventure, the PCs could be doing, um, which I think is really cool. I, I really, I really like that approach, and I wish they'd done more of that. You know, it's something they only really started doing in Star Trek and Acting Cthulhu recently with their, with their mission briefs thing. You think yeah. so clearly you had this idea, you know, all the way back here on John Carter. Why have we then not seen that in some of the other ones? Well, it's interesting actually. If you look at the design team for for JCOM, um, it's quite, to me at least, it looked like some of the the leads in it are quite different. Um, I don't even th- see Nathan Dowdle's name in it anywhere. I could be wrong, um, but looking at the little print inside the, the player's guide. Um, so, I, you know, again, I, I wonder, uh, however they however they handle the writing um, in-house and decisions of what kinds of um, templates, you know, like the mission, um, the mission briefs are definitely a template in Star Trek Adventures. The three-act, typically three scenes per act, adventure pdf adventure module is now a template for octone cthulhu or sure it, it, it sure seems that way and those things are are a work in progress and you wonder how much um how much connection between the different uh product line teams there is is there some kind of like meta you know team or people over them saying hey that was a good idea here and regardless of whether or not that line took flight uh, maybe we could use that elsewhere, but I but I agree. Um, if you're if the idea of this weirdo setting interests you in some way, shape, or form, there's definitely enough adventure material, and you know, in terms of actual flat out adventures, you could just run, and there's enough other stuff that you could come up with ideas uh, from um, to run stories in the world in the very weird, very weird world. Yeah. So I yeah, there, there's there is a, there's a lot of different stuff that you can do in John Carter Miles, um, and I think you could use it for other stuff. And I think you've kind of already dropped. I don't know whether you meant to do it on purpose or not, but you know the fact that this is very pulpy sort of when they call it planetary romance, which I find is a weird thing. Um, but there is another property which falls into the same thing, which is Flash Gordon, which you kind of mentioned because yep. you said me. Um, yeah, you could totally play Flash Gordon in this. Um, you know, if you want some Flash Gordon background, go and buy the Savage Worlds books. They're yeah. pretty good and already out of date because they released they released the Flash Gordon books and then instantly updated Savage Worlds to the new edition. They're by invalidating yeah. half the rules in it. So yeah. it could be like actually, yeah, I'm gonna you could so because of the way it is, other than having to come up with rules for the different races, you know, Birdman and don't know any of the Whatever. others. Whatever. Um, other than having to come up with some rules for that, everything else is well, talents are made on the fly anyway, and weapons do one or two. So it'd be super easy to run something yeah. like Flash Gordon using John Carter of Mars. So and you can you could make um, you know, there are no skills, but uh oh, who is the who is the scientist? I forget. He was the scientist who was the father of the girl that Flash liked. Uh, I can't remember his name because I'm thinking of the you know film. What I'm talking yeah, about, I know this. Um you know, all you'd have to do is create a talent. Yeah. You don't, you don't, I mean, in, in a high pulp setting, you don't need, you actually don't need skills. If you really just want to focus on action and characters being kick ass, you just have to create some signature talents yeah. that, that leverage or, or, you know, what you want the character to be able to do really well. 
you know, trigger situation, here's the bonus and here's the result from it. I think too, like I, I called it, you know, it's, it's, it's like scantily clad space pirates. You, if you just wanted to run like, you know, your Errol Flynn swinging yeah. from the, the chandeliers, you could just, you don't have to have space flyers on Mars. You could just have galleons on the Spanish main. <laughs> So yeah, so it, although I still find their initial choice about the attributes adding together, yeah, freaking annoying. I, I yeah, I'm I'm not a that is one piece of it. I love the talents. Um, I'm okay with the uh, uh, although I haven't played it, so I don't know how it would how it really works out. Like the individual momentum pools, I'm cool with that. I really like the talents. I actually am okay with given the setting, the 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 lesser emphasis on the technical aspects of weapons and damage. I'm all right with that. I like the idea of spending momentum to, to knock out goons. Yeah. Cool with that. that. But yeah, if I were to, if I were to use this to run pirates, I might change some of the attributes to make them a little clearer. And I would, uh, I would create skills or I would create disciplines like Star Trek adventures, just, you know, dispense with it that way by giving a very broad category of endeavor and letting it go there. Yeah. So yeah, there is. There's definitely there's stuff in here. Again, so like you know, one of the things I, I like to say, you know, is is it worth it if you're thinking of going into sort of two D twenty using the SRD stuff? I think there is stuff in here which is cool to have a look at. Um, yeah. I don't think it's as necessary as maybe something because this is this is relatively rules light compared to yeah, some of the others. I'm not sure. I, I kind of think where I've got it on my sort of my spectrum of crunchiness or whatever you've you've called in the past which you've had a better name crunchometer um this is pretty far to the i think the one thing that stops it going all the way like super super fluffy is that it doesn't it does have combat dice um yes. but other than combat dice it's it's really far uh, over that way because this is a very simple iteration of the of the game yeah yeah and i i think that if you are if you don't have it and you're a two die twenty fan. Period. I think picking up the at least a PDF of the the core book would be interesting because again that talent system all by itself I think is is worth a, a look, especially if you're thinking about using the SRD to to come up with something of your your own. Um, and obviously, if scantily cloud, clad clad um, Martian space princesses, um, if that's alluring to you, then you know this book would give you that a plenty it's pretty nice or space princess it, it is a nice looking book as well the, the landscape thing actually let them do very nice things of kind of just on single pages anyway no i, I again it's i've always thought that that modifius does us a service by giving us uh high physical quality and 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 well done art in their books and i i don't mind the the landscape layout it's funky um uh, it makes it a little hard to read in bed but because uh, the pages keep drooping down. But if you have something to lean it on, you can sit there and it's like you're reading your tome. It's, 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 nice. it's not even bad to read. Like on a PC, it's actually really nice to read because it's already in sure. landscape. Um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen many landscape role-playing books, but this one uh, is pretty cool. Uh, and it's, it's it's full size as well. None of these poxy half-size Dishonor and Homeworld. But I finally opened my Homeworld yeah. book yesterday. And of course, I was like, why is it so small? What have I done? <laughs> You know, something else too, and this is this is my last piece I'll throw out there, for a lesser known setting, which I would lump Dishonored and I would lump Homeworld into that as well. For a lesser known property, um, they do a really nice job yeah. of making sure you know, even as weird as it is, 
there's a ton of background, way more than Dishonored, way more than Homeworld. Um, they, they, they definitely did a, a nice job in that. So if you're interested in reading um, background and seeing how they've weaved this, this rules light system into it, you know, from a design standpoint, I think the, the book would be a value to you as well. Excellent. All right. Thumbs up. We did it. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.